Merry Christmas. Some of y'all may not like that. That's okay. Just deal with it. Um, <laughs> no, it is close to Christmas season, so we've got the Christmas decorations up. We're going to sing some Christmas carols, and uh, that's why I decided to start with Christmas. We, I guess we can go ahead and stand up. Oh, now that you sat down, Greg. <clears throat> he was waiting. He was patiently waiting. Yeah. All right, let's open up the word uh, with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the, the great God that you are. Lord, I think I say that just about every Sunday, but the, that's the truth of the matter. You are a great God, a great God who loved us so much that even before you said, let there be light, you had already planned what's going to take place. We thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross in our place so that we could have eternal life. And Lord, we celebrate his birth uh, this Christmas season, and we thank you for that. We ask that uh, all that we do today would be glorifying to you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start off uh, singing uh, uh, the song, He is Exalted. It's in your bulletins or up on the screen. Page 177, Good Christian Men Rejoice. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give me heed to what we say. News, news, Jesus Christ is born today. Oxen ask before him bow and he is in the main 
Singing. Why don't you look around and say, hey, Merry Christmas. Good to see you. And you may be seated. Let me give you a couple quick announcements. Uh, this evening at 530, we are going to have our first ever Make a Joyful Noise Unto the Lord Christmas Carol Sing tonight. Um, and uh, if you want to get involved with that, too late. Uh, <laughs> bulletins have already been made. So, no, I'm just kidding. If, if by chance you wanted to be involved, just see me and I'll direct you to Cheryl and she can tell you one way or the other. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just teasing. But that's tonight at 530. Um, we're going to sing some songs and then have some uh, um, hot chocolate and cookies afterwards. Um, if you have any questions, please see Cheryl. Uh, it's going to be a good time. A lot of people, a lot of different uh, songs, different things that will be going on tonight. Then uh, also please make, make notice uh, our December 24th Christmas Eve uh, services that day. Um, it's going to be different. Uh, we're going to do an early service at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, followed by a carry-in breakfast dinner. Then there will be no, Christ, uh, no Sunday school and no uh, 11 o'clock worship service. That's going to take place at 8 and so you've got plenty of time to spend time with family, do last-minute Christmas shopping, I guess. Um, and then um, at 5 o'clock, we're going to have our Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service uh, that evening. So that's all taking place there on the December 24th. And then January 7th, we're going to begin the, the new year with the Lord's Supper and a carry-in dinner. Um, so hopefully you guys will be around for that and uh, celebrate the Lord for that. All right. Um, Let's go ahead and sing the last song of our, uh, this part of our service. It is page 170, Thou Didst Leave Thy Throne. And uh, we will also be taking up our offering during this song. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown When thou camest to earth Set thy people free, but with 
Harold, would you ask God to bless the offering, sir? Well, before we get into the message, uh, how many of y'all, when was the last time you heard that song? Probably last Christmas, right? Uh, some of it, it's not a, a well-known Christmas carol, but I absolutely love this song because it talks from Jesus coming to this earth, leaving his kingly throne to come to this earth for the sole purpose of dying on a cross in our place. And as it says, uh, that, that last verse, um, yeah, when the heavens shall ring and the angels sing at that coming to victory, it goes, you know, it talks about the, the death on the cross, but now it's talking about the return of Christ when he comes back to take us. And uh, that's one of those wonderful things about some of these Christmas carols. There's great theology in them that it's not just about Christmas. It's not just about uh, sweet baby Jesus, you know, it's about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Uh, and, and who he is. So um, I know Judy absolutely hates playing Christmas carols. She did a great job today. Don't you all agree? Yes, yes, yes. And Jennifer is not much of a fan of them either, correct? They, as she said last week, they just play weird, right? Or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> is that because we've seen that one a cappella? <laughs> I know. Oh, all right. Sorry. I just turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter one. We're going to get to that here very, very quickly. Um, that is going to be the um, the main verse for the the next few weeks, and then also Psalm eighty four is uh, will also be based a lot of our uh, the message today on that. But uh, I'm glad that you're all here with us uh, as we're starting our Christmas uh, message series, and we're calling it God with Us. And uh, we're we're going to base this series, as I said, off of uh, the powerful theological term that we find in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23. Uh, It is the term, the incarnation. That's the theological term. And it means that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so today as we get into this series about the presence of God, I want to start with a verse that we'll, we'll start with every single week. And uh, uh, Lord willing, on Christmas Eve, we'll deal with this in great detail. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Um, So, as I said, the title of this message series is God with us. And as Christians, it's so easy for us to believe that God is with us. You know, Uh, we we know that from Scripture. We know that through experiences in our lives. And uh, we we believe that God is with us. And it's a whole lot easier to believe that when everything's going great. Right. You know, it's it's so much easier to believe that. But uh, whenever you get, you know, well, not but, but whenever you get really good news and uh, maybe you get a raise, your baby sleeps through the night for the first time, you know, you parents know exactly what I'm talking about on that one. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. And, and when you get really close, you know, you get that close parking spot at the mall 
Right? You're just praising the Lord that your life is so good right now. Um, God is so good. You know, and, and it's easy to sense God's presence in our lives when things are going good, when we're on the mountaintops. Um, but sometimes it's more difficult to sense God's presence when you're in the valley. Uh, when, when things aren't going the way you want them to go, when you get the bad news, when, when you're hurting, when, you're, when you feel a little bit alone, when you're worried or, or, or when you're afraid or when you're battling depression or whatever the case may be, uh, a lot of times it feels like God's not even that close, if He's even there at all. And so today I want to talk about God being with us while we're in the valleys. So uh, go ahead and flip over to Psalm 84. Uh, and as you do, we'll, I'll continue on. You know, what? what's interesting to me is that so often much of our lives can be going really, really well. You know what I mean? In other words, you've got all these different times where you're kind of on a mountaintop. And then there's this just one area of your life where it's really kind of weighing you down. Uh, so much is good, but this one thing is really, really, really brings this seriousness, this serious weight in our lives. Everything can be going great, perfect, and then, someone ta- uh, then something takes place that just brings you down to the valley uh, extremely quickly. And you can be in the middle of a mountaintop, perfect experience, perfect moment, that moment that you live for, uh, and then there's this valley as the tragedy comes in and just steals every, all the joy that you had, uh, everything that you were hoping for. Now, fortunately, some of you, uh, well, I don't know if fortunately is the right word, but sometimes that's where you are right now. You know, some seasons and, and pockets of your life are really, really good. Your marriage is blessed, but you've got kids that are making you crazy, making stupid decisions. You know, and that hurts a lot. Or, or you're, you're really, really close to God and you sense God's presence in your life, but at the same time, you're afraid you're going to lose your job. Or, or, or you're really, really excited about the holidays, getting together with family, and yet you got really bad medical news about you or someone that you love. There's so many good things, and yet there may only be one or two things that, that kind of take you down into the valley. And so what I want to talk about today is wh- where God is in those valleys. You know, when you look at Scripture, the valleys represent a lot of different things. Um, the first thing that, that uh, uh, valleys rep- represent in Scripture are where the battles take place. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of a battle, in the middle of a valley. Things are not going the way you want it to go in a particular area of your life, and this battle is just raging. And guess what? When the battle is there, there's not much joy going on. Okay? It's a very difficult situation. So uh, valleys are often battles, but not only that, but valleys are are seasons of depression. You know, uh, they were seasons of loneliness. I think of uh, um, Elijah when uh, he was, he had this great victory against the prophets of Baal. And then the, the, uh, um, you know, God showed himself miraculously to the nation of Israel and to Elijah. And then immediately after that, the queen says, I'm going to kill you. And he runs away up into the mountain and he's crying to the Lord and he's all down. He's like, God, I'm the only one in all of Israel that is worshiping you. He's down. He's depressed. He's frustrated. And God encourages him. 
um, and tells them, hey, buddy, you're not the only one. You know, I've got, uh, you know, 5,000 other individuals. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. Uh, but I've got, uh, you know, 5,000 other people in the nation of Israel that has not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. He's trying, God was encouraging him. But valleys are seasons of depressions. But also, valleys are also a time of growth. Because if you don't have the times of the valley, you are not going to be growing in the Lord. I mean, you may enjoy God in some ways on the mountaintops, but you really experience Him in different ways when you're in the midst of the valley. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we really get to know Him intimately in the valley. We may know Him. We may enjoy Him when times are really, really good, but you really get to know Him in a different way when we're in the valleys. So I told you to go to uh, uh, Psalm 84. And if uh, you've ever read through Psalm 84, chances are you may have kind of skipped past these verses or maybe you just didn't understand them. Uh, But we're going to look at them and hopefully bring some insight that hopefully will impact your spiritual life in a very real way. So let's look here. Psalm 84 Verse number 5. That's where we're going to start. It says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. How many of y'all have ever heard of the valley of Baca before? Okay, a couple of y'all have. Well, I just read it, so all of you should have been listening. Okay. But, you know, okay, the Valley of Baca. We were like, what is that? I've never heard of that before. The Valley of Baca, uh, um, you know, as I did some of this study, and some people, uh, some commentators think, well, this wasn't really a valley. It was more of a, a tree uh, because it was kind of similar spelling to it. And so this tree that was very similar to the, t- uh, the name Baca uh, was... Uh, was would ooze out sap. And if you walk by this tree, this tree, it, you know, they would call it a weeper because it would just be dripping stuff. And it looked like the tree was crying. And so that's why the Valley of Baca sometimes is translated in our Bibles a little bit differently. Uh, sometimes it's the Valley of Baca. Sometimes it's ca- called the, the Valley of Tears. Maybe you all have heard that. Or the Valley of Weeping or the Valley of of loss, all of these things you might see in God's Word. Uh, so anytime you see a valley in God's Word, uh, you, you would see a place that was very dangerous. There, there'd be thorns, there'd be wild animals, there would be people waiting to jump out and rob you. In fact, it was a very difficult thing to get through a valley without something bad happening. That's why verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Now, not you, not me, and that you in my Bible is capitalized, which means he's talking to God. Blessed is the man whose strength is in God. Now, if you don't know God intimately, there are chan- the chances are there are times when you just say, you know what, that's it. I've had enough. I've had enough. I can't do anymore. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I just don't have enough in me anymore. But let's be honest, even as Christians, sometimes we get to that point. But the truth is that if you don't know God intimately, then what you have is all you got. You don't have anything else. You don't have any reserves. Uh, You can't lean on anybody else. But for those who follow Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have a strength that goes beyond anything that we can possibly have. We have access to the heavenly strength. And that's why the psalmist said, Blessed is the man whose strength 
is in God. When we get to the end of our strength, there's always more because it's, it's all about God. What you need to understand is that there is divine strength available to us from our God. It's available to those who know Him. I'll give you an example that you may help you understand. Um, uh, there's a weight workout that is uh, called a burnout or lift till fail. And it's the idea that you start with the heaviest weight you got and you just keep going and keep going until you can't do anymore. And then you drop down to the next weight, you know, down the side. Then you go until you can't go anymore. And then you just keep going. You drop down. You keep drop down uh, until you get to your lowest weight. And I've done this. And the amazing thing is, is you start out with, I'm just going to say, I'm weak. Okay. But I started out with like 25 pounds doing, uh, you know, curls. And I got to the point, got all the way down to five pounds. We're talking a bag of sugar, okay? Five pounds, and my arm is just, I couldn't get it going up anymore. You get to the point where it just kind of fails. And, of course, I had this number in my head, i got to get to 25. i got to get to 25. At 23, I just wasn't going, so what did I do? I reached over with my right hand and helped it on up, right? <laughs> left hand couldn't do it, but my right hand like, oh, yeah, I haven't done my right hand yet, so i got plenty of strength left. Uh, but I, I was able to get through there. Uh, um, you know, it's like someone that's, that, that's helping you lift in, uh, at a gym. Maybe you're doing a bench press, and they're hyping it up in your ear going, hey, man, it's all you. You've got this. You've got this. Come on, let's go. You can do this. It's all you. And, and so you get to that point where, again, you, you just can't go anymore. And uh, they're helping you with the bar, and they're like, okay, we only got three more to go. Come on, come on. And your arms are jelly. And, 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 you know, you're basically, you're just holding on to the bar. You're not doing anything. They're the ones that's lifting you, lifting the bar for you. But, yeah, what what are they saying? Hey, man, it's all you. Just keep going. Just two more. Just two more. Let's go. That's what it's like for being a follower of Christ. When we come to the end of our strength, It's God saying, I got you. Come on. It's all you. Let's go. Let's go. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. Let me tell you, there is power that is bigger than anyone or anything in your life. And that's a wonderful thing. And it is our God who, when you hit the end of your strength, His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. Blessed is the man whose strength is in God. If you're in the middle of a valley right now, you have access to a very real, ever-present power of God who is available, who is ready to come and assist you in your time of need. Blessed is the man whose strength is in God. The text doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Let me just tell you from a physics point of view, that phrase is impossible. And it drives me nuts because it's impossible. You can't pick yourself up by your own boots. It's just, anyway, sorry. It doesn't say blessed are those who are really determined. One of the big problems in our world today is that we idolize this spirit of independence. You know, I don't need anybody. I can do it all on my own. I want to be financially independent. I don't, uh, um, well... I want to be completely good on my own. I don't want to trust people. I don't want people to, uh, I, I need, I don't want to need people to be there for me. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. You know, God did not create us to be independent. We were created by our God to depend on Him and others. You're not called to do it all on your own. 
You were not created to do it all on your own. Blessed are you when you realize that you are dependent on God and you have access to a power that is greater than anything you can do on your own. Some of you, you need to lean into that. You need to learn to do that. You, you just need to admit, I don't have what it takes. I need God's help. For some of us, that's hard. Especially the men. Let's just be honest. Especially the men. Men say, I can do this. I got this. I don't need anybody else's help. Who made the instructions anyway? I don't need instructions. Anybody do this before? I remember when uh, we, we got, when Nathan and Katie were um, about to be born, we had two cribs, exactly the same. And I, I, I followed the instructions, at least I thought. But there was one part that I put on and took off, put on, took off, put on, took off, put on, took off, because I was putting it on way too early in the instructions. Because I didn't have the room to put on something else. For some, you know, that first one took me about an hour and a half to put together. The second one took me like 22 minutes, you know, because I followed the instructions. I knew what I was doing. Guys, we don't want, we're like, I don't need anybody's help. I can do this all on my own. And I know there are some women that are like that as well. Here's the thing. You were not created to do it all on your own. You need to depend on other people for guidance, for help. You need to depend on God for strength. We need to admit it sometimes, well, let's be honest, most of the time, that I don't have what it takes. I need God in my life. Blessed is the man whose strength is in him. Uh, let me read that verse in another translation. I put it up here, uh, the New Living Translation. It says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. What does that mean? You know, it says, well, it means we may be in a valley, but we're going to what is known as the city of refuge. Or we're going to a place that they, they call the, uh, the place of peace. One commentator uh, said, to get to the city of refuge, you have to travel through the valley of tears. Sometimes to get to where you really appreciate the, the presence and the power of God, you've got to push through the pain of what's going on right now to get to the presence of the goodness of God. For so many people, the valley is the pathway to the place of God. The valley is the pathway to the place of God. You, you, you've pushed through the valley. We're, you know, we're on a pilgrimage this is the way the psalmist wrote it. And what joy for those whose strength comes from God, whose heart is set in it. Blessed is the man whose strength, I'm reading it back into the King James, New King James, our Bibles here. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now, today, we would not use the phrase, uh, uh, the heart is set on pilgrimage. Um, what, what the, the psalmist was, what, for us to understand it, we would say not the, the, the heart, but the mind. Because we, we today use the brain as the seat of the willpower, and uh, the brain is the seat of knowledge. Uh, that, that's what it was. Uh, today our hearts are the seat of emotions. You know, when we tell someone, oh, I love you with all my heart, right? That's all we say today. Back then the heart was basically your mind. 
Okay, their seat of emotions was the bowels. That would change a lot of love songs today, wouldn't it? <laughs> hunk and hunk of burning love means something totally different. No, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I should not have said that. <sighs> I thought about writing it down, but I said, no, I'm not going to say that. And I said it anyway. But in the Old Testament, the seat of emotions was the bowels. But the, uh, in the Old Testament, the heart was the seat of willpower and knowledge. What we think of as our brains, as our minds. And Paul talked a lot about this in, in his letters. To the Colossian believers, he said, Set your mind on things above, not on things below. To the Philippians, he said, If anything is excellent, anything is praiseworthy, or admirable, or lovely, or all those things, think on those things. Where are you? Uh, where you are is one thing, and where you think about is something different. What you think about truly does matter. It truly does matter so much. There was a, I, I read of a, a married couple who were in bed. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. The husband's not sleeping. He's tossing and turning. He's trying to get comfortable. It just wasn't working out. And she leans over to him and says, what's wrong? He says, I just can't sleep. She said, you what? He goes, I can't sleep. The next thing you know, she, she went to him. She put her hands on his shoulders and she said, honey. And she said, well, she said it kind of loudly. She's like, don't say that. And he's like, what did I just say? Did I not say that right? I know that's what I was thinking. Anybody say something that you thought you said, but it really wasn't? And that's what he's thinking. Did I say it wrong? And uh, he goes, what? She says, don't say that. Don't say that you can't sleep. Say that you have the peace of God. Say that he is with you right now. Say your mind is at rest. So just stop it and make it go away. And he's like, okay, you're scaring me. So yes, I'm going to say this. I have the peace of God, but I'm scared that my wife is going to kill me now. God's with me now, so you can go back to sleep, dear. And she rolled back over and went to sleep. She's like, where did this come from? But you know what? She was right. What you think about matters. If all you're thinking about is why you can't... You ever try to go to sleep and you're like, I know I need to sleep. And you keep looking at the clock. If I fell asleep right now, I could get, you know... Four hours and 53 minutes of sleep. Okay, okay. If I fall asleep right now, I could get three hours and 22 minutes. And you keep thinking about, oh, I can't fall asleep. And that's all you're thinking about. And what, her, what she was saying is change your thinking. Don't think about the negative there. Think about what really matters. Your current situation that you're living in right now, it might be a valley, but your mind can be set upon God. Your mind can be on the mountaintop with Him. Your heart might be racing right now, but your mind is set. Your soul may be aching, but your mind is set. Your emotions may be racing, but your mind is fixed towards God. There may be too much to do and there may be pressure with the in-laws that are coming and you may be wondering how you're going to pay for Christmas and on and on and on and on. And there may be real tragedies while you're in the valley. But guess what? You can have your mind set on the mountaintop with God and the goodness of God because God is with me. 
He is with me. He is for me. Greater is the one that is in me than the one that is in the world. My God is going before me to prepare a way for me. His Spirit gives me strength when I am weak. And I need Him every moment and every day. His Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I may be in the valley, but my mind is set on the kingdom of God. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm on my way. I'm going through this valley because I know at the end I'm going to get to that peace of God. That place of peace. You may be in the valley right now, but your mind can be fixed. Blessed is the man whose strength is in him. Verse number 6. It says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. So, as they're passing through the valley of Baca, well, here's something you need to remember as you're going through the valley. You may be going through the valley right now, but the valley isn't your destination. It's not where it ends. Okay? What are we doing? We're, as the old song, I'm just passing through. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I may be in the valley right now, but this isn't my home. I'm journeying to the place of peace. I'm just passing through. My God will get me through this, and I'm just passing through. David said something similar in Psalm 23, verse 4. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I'm going to be scared to death because this is where my life will end. No. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He's talking to God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I may be in the valley, but I'm just passing through. It may be a difficult time, but God's going to get me through this. I may be hurting right now, but I'm not going to be hurting forever. God is going to pull me through. I may be in a dark place right now, but we're just passing through this valley, this valley of Baca. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you just want out of it. But you have to realize that so often when we're praying in the midst of the valley, we want God to take the valley away from us. Just set our feet back up on the mountaintop. And there's nothing wrong with praying that, but the thing is, God usually doesn't work that way. Instead of getting us out of the valley, He usually, you know, miraculously just transposes us uh, to, you know, to the mountaintop. He brings us through the valley, hand in hand, if you would. God's going to show you the way through the valley, not out of the valley. The road is the path of peace. I'm sorry, the road to the path of peace is often through the valley. We're just passing through. Verse 6 again, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. You say, what in the world? Well, the King James says that they make a well. A well, W-E-L-L. In other words, when you're in a dry place, what do you got to do to get water? You got to dig a well, right? And that's what he's saying. You've got to dig a well. You take and clear away a little hole as a container for the provision of rain that God is going to send to you. God hasn't sent it yet, but you are preparing now. It's dry right now, but you're going to dig a hole now. You're going to dig a well now. You're going to make a spring now for the provisions of God. And when you're dry and when you're hurting, you make room for the presence of God. You make room for the provision of God. You make a well. But it hasn't rained yet. I know. That's okay. I know that my God will provide what I need, so I'm going to make a container preparing for the presence and the provision of God. 
you make a well. It's almost as if God would say something like, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I'm going to fill it. You know, if you prepare for me, I will show up. If you show me your faith, I will show you uh, my faithfulness. I mean, Jesus apparently had this same type of uh, philosophy. You know, he walked up to a guy that had a withered arm, and he said to him, you stretch out your hand and I will, uh, I'll heal it. You show me that you believe that I can do it, and I'm going to do it for you. A man who couldn't walk, hadn't walked for 38 years, Jesus didn't say, you know, I, I got Jesus' power in me, so I'm going to heal you right here. No. Instead, he said, take up your mat, you get up, you show me that you believe that I can make you walk again, or walk, period. You show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. Now, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel here. I'm not saying you name it and claim it, God's got to do whatever you're asking him to do. But I'm saying that you need to prepare for the blessings of God. You know, if you plant it, he will grow it. But you have to plant your seed before you can expect the harvest. When you're in the dry place, you make a well. You prepare for the presence and the provision of God. And I love the if promises of God in Scripture. If you draw near to me, God says, I will draw near to you. Show me that you believe and I'll show you my presence. If you seek me, I'm going to play hide and go seek and you won't find me. No, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you make room for me, I will reveal myself to you. It's time to prepare for God's provision and God's presence. Think about it. God does not usually reveal himself to people who are rushed. Y'all, especially around this time of year, things get busy. How, how, is, your, is your December packed full of stuff? You've got Christmas parties and you've got get-togethers. You've got family things. And you've got to go buy stuff. And then you've got to wrap that stuff. And then you've got, uh, you've got to prepare food. I mean, this time of year, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And we get into a rush. But usually God does not reveal himself to people who are rushed. I mean... Let this sink in a little bit. Imagine Moses. He goes by the burning bush. I mean, if Moses is driving by in his uh, uh, chariot or whatever, and he goes, oh, look, cool. Take a picture of it. Oh, that's, that's going on my Instagram story, man. That's cool. Everybody's going to dig that. That, bur- that bush is burning. And he just goes about his day. God's not going to say, hey, Moses, wait, wait, come back. No. God says to him, why don't you stay a while? Take off your sandals because where you're standing is holy ground. Why don't you take a moment and be still with me and know that I am God? Why don't you make a well and then wait on me to fill it? For some of us, it's time to prepare. We need to say to God, God, I want to meet with you. God, I'm going to wait for you. And I believe that you're going to reveal yourself to me because I need you right now. I can't go anywhere else. No one else is going to be able to help me except you, Lord. We have mountaintop experiences. We have valley experiences. And let me tell you that in both places, we need to spend time with God. Nothing is going to drive us to God like the valleys that come into our lives. We cry out to God in the valleys, God, please show up. I need you. Let me tell you you, uh, what probably is not going to happen when you get to the point in the valley where you're calling out to God. Probably won't happen. There's not going to be an audible voice. Okay, that would be awesome. 
that would be really, uh, let's be honest, that would probably be very, very scary. If you tell someone that you heard a voice from nowhere, they probably put you into the loony bin or something, you know. Uh, but, you know, that's probably not going to happen. God does not do that. There's probably not going to be like a double rainbow in the sky or there's probably not going to be an earthquake, which there could have been or whatever. But, but what does happen is when you draw near to God, God is going to draw near to you and he has this amazing, comforting presence with him. When we say, God, I need you. I'm waiting on you. And you're making a well. You're preparing for his presence. You're uh, preparing for his providence. Providence, that's the word. We enjoy him so much when we're on the mountaintop. Because, hey, everything's going great, right? But we get to know him intimately in the valleys. Here's what I hope you understand. God never promised that you would never go through a valley. Okay? He promised that you would never have to go through the valley alone. There's a big difference between those two statements. Right? He never promised that you didn't have to go through the valley. Instead, He promised that you would never go alone. That is because God is with us. Matthew 1.23 again says, Behold, the virgin shall be... uh, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. As we journey through the valley of Baca, we're going to the place of peace. Verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength. What did verse 5 said? Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those who experience the strength of God. When the, then they go uh, from a little bit of strength to a little bit more strength, to even more of God's strength, to even more of His strength, and then a little more of His strength, until, verse 7 says, then they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. They will go from strength to strength. Not our strength, His strength. Here's what I want you to understand. We praise Him in the valley. We may enjoy Him on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him in the valleys. We, 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 uh, he reveals His character to us in the midst of the valleys. We can sense His strength in a way that we can't otherwise. When we totally and completely need Him and we have nothing else, we know that, he, that we're traveling through the valley. We're just passing through. So right now, you may feel weak. You say, where's God at? Who is God? In the middle of your weakness, God says, my, God is my strength. When you're in the darkness, who is God? Our God is the light in our darkness. When you're in the season of trouble, who is your God? He is your joy in it. When you're in the middle of pain, who is our God? He is our comforter in the middle of our pain. That's who our God is. We pass through the valley even though we're in the valley. We don't fear. Why? Because He is with us. The same God that is good on the mountaintops is the same God who is good in the midst of the valley. I'm going to say that again because that's important to remember. The same God who is good on the mountaintops is the same God who is good to us in the midst of the valleys. We get to know Him in the valley. And if you're in the valley right now, you're just passing through. Remember, that's not your eternal destination. 
where uh, our God is going to lead you out of that. He's going to lead you to a place of peace. Why? Because He is good. He is with you. He is present. And He will take you from strength to strength. You can't handle it on your own. So you lean on Him and let His strength be everything that you need. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. Fear no evil. You know the verse. Why? Because you, O God, are with us. Who are you? You are Emmanuel, God with us. Some of you might be thinking about all of this and you might be saying to yourself, well, okay, I kind of understand where you're going from this. I'm with you. Yes, there are some pockets in my life that, uh, you know, that are really good. Everything is just, man, it's just going great. But there's this one pocket, this one area of my life is just difficult and I need God. If that's you, don't tell me about it. Tell God about it. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to fail you. But God will not let you down. God will not fail you. He will lift you up. We need to praise Him in the midst of the valley just as much as we do on the mountaintop. That's what we need. Why? Because He is with us. Always. Especially in the valleys when we don't feel like He's there. So what do we do? We trust Him. That's what we've got to do. We've got to trust Him. Trust Him because He will never fail us. That's so awesome. That He will never fail us. Would you stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to to look into your word today. And Lord, I pray that you would be with us. Lord, you are with us. I don't need to pray that you would be with us because you already are. Help us to understand that you're there with us. And Lord, I, I pray especially for those who are in the midst of the valley right now. I pray that they would lean on you for everything because you are what they need. Not what this guy says or this person says, but you are what they need. I pray that you would move in a way that only you can move and that you would be glorified in the midst of their valley. Lord, I thank you that there are those today who are going to make a well. They are going to prepare for the provisions that you bring, the the providence that you bring because they trust you. Because they know that you will do something. That you didn't leave them alone. That you are with them. Lord, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts this morning. I pray for your miracle to take place in our lives. Lord, I pray that that we would continue to praise you even before the answer gets there, that we would praise you and thank you for your goodness and your grace, greatness. And Lord, I, I hope that we would learn to praise you not just because of the things that you do for us and to us, but Help us to praise you because of who you are. 
Lord, we thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us, who will never leave us, who will never forsake us. Lord, I think of the person that, that's here today that they've been doing all of this work by themselves. They've been doing it all in their own strength. And when it gets to the end of the rope of their strength, they don't have anything else because they don't have a relationship with you. They have never called on your name for salvation. They've never trusted in you for eternal life. Lord, I pray that today that they, by faith, would trust in you and you alone for salvation. Lord, I pray if there's someone that is here like that today that you would allow them to step out by faith and to be able to talk to me or someone else uh, so that we could share with them how they can know you as everlasting Savior so that when they come to the end of their strength, that's not the end. But your strength comes in. And your strength is made perfect in the midst of our weakness. And we are weak and we need you, Lord. Thank you, God for all that you do for us. Thank you for being with us even when we're not always focused on you. Thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. Page 417, Just As I Am. I don't know what God is working on in your heart, but whatever it is, I invite you to come. Give you an opportunity to respond to him. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Thank you all for being here today. Don't forget, tonight is our Christmas carol sing. Please come out for that. I'm sure we're going to have a great time. Get here early because the back row will fill up quickly. I'm sorry. No, get here early. Make sure you get a spot. It's going to be a good time. Um, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer to close out this service. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Greg, would you do so, sir?